We think it's big over here. It's even bigger in Victoria. Good morning to you, Sam Edmund. Uh, it is the morning after the night before. Um, how's everything going over there in Victoria? And has the response to Brainard, uh, Braden Maynard getting off been exactly what you expected? While she bicks, good morning. Uh, for fancy question, mixed. And you just knew when Braden Maynard appeared on screen last night with a mini rubber footy, a bit like Adam Kingsley's answer to the stress ball in the coach's box, that you knew it was going to be a long and potentially anxious night for him. And after more than four hours of for well, his testimony, Angus Brayshaw's medical report, Andrew Woods from the AFL presenting, Collywood's legal rep, Ben Hall. We had a biomechanist. We had references to Isaac Newton, Galileo. We had purple lanes, yellow lanes, behind the goals vision. He was finally cleared, Braden Maynard, for the rest of Collywood's finals campaign, or at least for now anyway. We can't rule out an AFL appeal. It is unlikely at this stage, but uh, they'll make an announcement on that at some stage today, the AFL. You you say unlikely? What's your feeling there? I just felt like it was summarised really well. I mean, I don't think it was argued fantastically well by the AFL's counsel, Andrew Woods. I thought he lost his way on occasion. But just just the summary of Jeff, Jeff Gleeson, the tribunal chair, was comprehensive. There's only so many avenues to appeal. Um, I, I mentioned that it was mixed. You couldn't walk down the street without getting in a debate with someone about mm. whether he was innocent or guilty. It was what was black or it was white. You had one or the other. But the hearing went for four, four and a half, four hours and ten minutes, or four hours and five minutes, including one hour of deliberation. I mean... Um, I think it's just unlikely at this stage that the AFL were challenged, given it was so comprehensive. But, you know, stranger things have happened. Yeah, I thought a lot of the focus was on uh, him turning his shoulder and, and making contact with the head. And that you know, and he had a millisecond to do that. And I totally agree with all that. My point was a bit along the lines of Ross Lyon and Chris Scott, for that matter, yeah. that if you're going to say that it was careless, the careless act took place when he ran straight at him and jumped in the air, knowing that he wasn't going to be able to change direction. So that, that's the way I thought that maybe the AFL might argue that point. Well, they did. And Andrew Wood did start with the fact that the conduct was unreasonable in the circumstances, that it did breach that duty of care, big leaping forward in the air with force at an opponent. But I, I thought he, he, as I said, he lost his way a bit at times mm. saying it was unsafe to smother and, and things of that nature. He said Maynard should have jumped bolt upright at one stage. And, you know, on the other side of it, biomechanists, let's be honest, they've become the butt of jokes at the tribunal. But <laughs> the Associate Professor Michael Cole went a long way to changing that with the statement, once airborne, Maynard had no opportunity to avoid the collision. He said, I don't believe Maynard's body position at the time of impact can be considered part of any conscious decision. He called him a frisbee with arms and legs, um, which was the takeaway of the night, to be honest. But it all pointed to the fact that he had no time to adjust. 400 milliseconds, uh, the biomechanist said, that Maynard would have had um, to adjust his body position, which is obviously impossible. And uh, Jeff Gleeson, in his lengthy summary, just simply said that they found Maynard, by uh, virtue of Cole's evidence and, and the science behind it, just didn't have enough time to adjust his body position. But coming back to the initial smother, I mean, you're allowed to jump up and smother the ball, aren't you? For me, it was around the duty of care, whether he showed enough once he was up in the air. But the tribunal last night pointed to all the different factors in here, all the different things that could have happened. Brayshaw could have veered left instead of right. He could have kicked it in a different position. He could have um, changed direction at a different time. And all of those things couldn't be reasonably anticipated by Braden Maynard, the tribunal fan. But, but won't that be the defence of every player? Like, say that was a marking contest and you run and jump 
and you get there a millisecond late and you collect someone, can't you say, well, I couldn't reasonably expect which way the, the player was going to move. I just jumped and, and, and I cleaned him up and knocked him out. But, you know, I, I was in the air. I couldn't stop. Isn't that? Yeah. Well, well marking contests, are, uh, they are different, aren't they? I mean, and the game has got an amazing way of churning out after all these years unique situations mm, and unique mm. collisions. And they're all different. And, in fact, Jeff Gleeson did say last night, we cannot uh, remember a case like it, that there's ever been an incident like it. So they were, they were going into yeah. new ground. Um, but I, I, I just come back to the duty of care. That, that was the argument for me. Um, it, did he show enough? The AFL said he didn't have enough time. Um, and that the, the split-second time to react meant that he had to compute what the AFL said that he should have computed as unrealistic and, and unreasonable. Sam, uh, let's move on to Port Adelaide because a couple of things have come out about Port Adelaide over the past seven days. So we are learning that Sydney are now the front runners to land Brody Grundy. We've just learned that if Port Adelaide beat the Giants on the weekend, they'll play Collingwood on Friday night. So that means a six-day break. And then we heard yesterday um, the future of Travis Boak is a little bit uncertain. What can you tell us about Bokey? Well, I guess these are the delicate decisions and discussions while she that you have with your greats um the greats of your club and this is a guy who's been there since 06 pick five of course he was a captain he's a triple all australian we know his credentials two-time best and fairest games record holder the list goes on he's 35 he's been subbing three of the last five games um and port adelaide are suggesting that the time might be now that they don't want him to wither on the vine next year in the sample to perhaps retire might be the best option now travis himself doesn't uh, strike me anyway as a retiring type. Certainly thinks he's not done, wants to keep playing. So will he back himself in at Port Adelaide if there does turn out to be a contract there? Would he play elsewhere? Would anyone else be tempted to have him elsewhere? I mean, he did have that pre-season rib injury that, that didn't help. So would he sign on for one more, knowing that he has to fight tooth and nail to get into that best 22 or 23? Or does he take himself off potentially elsewhere. This is a fluid situation and, and, and definitely playing out as we speak. Mm, it's going to be interesting. I, I wonder how many older players look at uh, Taylor Walker a couple of years back and had he not be contracted, he probably would have been retired, but he's yeah. been able to find a way and come back. But anyway, that's uh, one to keep an eye on, particularly here in Adelaide. And Darcy Moore had his hand in a cast. Not ideal, is it? I know they got the weekend off this week, but he had a tendon issue that he played through in that qualifying final. Didn't look to bother him much, did it? But instead of training yesterday, just took himself off up the hill to the Etworth Hospital and had a cast put on. So Collingwood saying he's definitely playing in the prelim. No issue there. This is merely precautionary, almost like the hand equivalent of the moon boot. We know how conservative clubs are just to keep the weight off and such. So this is all about settling the tendons that bothered him in the qualifying final, but he did play with strapping around that thumb and wrist area. So absolutely no doubt to play. A bit like Max Gorn, who's going to play in that Friday night semi against Carlton this week with a broken bone in his toe. One more before we let you go. Jack Revolt announced yesterday as part of the new inaugural board for the Tasmanian team, and his title is basically the fabric. So he's been there to develop the DNA of the club, which we love, alongside uh, Alistair Lynch and a couple of big, big names as well. So this is building. Yeah, it is indeed. Now, this is uh, as flagged by SEN's very own Brett Costello down there at, uh, at SEN Tassie, of course. It's a community consultation project that uh, Jack will lead up called The Fabric, as you say. I think this is an awesome appointment. Spread the word, spread the gospel down there in Hobart in the state of Tasmania. And it's a nine-member board under the inaugural chairman, Grant O'Brien. And uh, uh, for footy followers listening, of course, plenty of those this morning. Alistair Lynch is on that board, a very, very proud and passionate Tasmania. Mm. All right, Sam, thanks for your time this morning. Great uh, summary there. Thanks, lads.